Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Dr. Hugh Whiteley, a retired professor and hydrologist from the School of Engineering at the University of Guelph. This is one of those episodes that's based on events that predate many of us that have come to call Guelph home in the last few decades. It's also a story about land issues and the desire to protect sensitive land from development. Last week we talked about the Ontario Reformatory Lands, which definitely ticks both of those boxes, but there's another spot on the entirely opposite end of town that also checks those boxes. It has a lot of names, the Courtright Waterfowl Park, the Niska Lands, the Hanley Creek Conservation Area, but the story around this property is just as complicated to sort out. Saving the land, again, is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Perhaps the most concise history of this area was written in an article by Cameron Shelley for Metroland in 2021. It starts with a man named Horace Mack, a Dickensian name if you've ever heard it, but a man of unique vision just the same. In 1948, he bought a piece of property at the mouth of the Hanlon Creek for a bird sanctuary. He called it Niska Farm, Niska being the proper Cree name for the Canada Goose. But Mack only got to live his vision for a short time. He died in 1959, and the post-war suburban boom was already in full swing. Concern about the fate of the Niska Waterfowl Sanctuary was temporarily resolved in 1961, when the Ontario Waterfowl Research Foundation was formed to administer the property. But then, the city of Guelph formally annexed the property from Puslinch in 1966, which started to make those development threats for the area very real. But then, like now, the community responded, and they persuaded the Guelph government at the time to leave the land alone. The next 50 years are a complex web of management and agreements, so let's just flash forward to 2015, when council voted to install a two-lane bridge over the river at Niska Road. Concerns arose again about the threat to the old Waterfowl Park property, which at that point had been closed to the public for about 10 years. Also of concern was the latest version of Guelph's official plan, and one of the people appealing was focused on the Niska lands and the impact there. Obviously, that person was Dr. Hugh Whiteley, and his concerns focused on one of the four pieces of land that make up the total Niska property. The city had redesignated that one specific portion so that future development could be allowed, but it was Dr. Whiteley that secured the process that the Grand River Conservation Authority is now using. So why is he still concerned? That is one of the questions that Dr. Whiteley will answer on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast. He's going to talk to us about some of that history we skipped over in the intro, the various plans for the area that have come into play over the last several decades, and how the city of Guelph and the GRCA both play a role in determining the property's future. We will also talk about his personal involvement in the fight over the Niska Bridge, his decision to bring the appeal of the official plan to the Ontario Municipal Board, and whether or not he thinks all sides have lived up to the spirit of that agreement he participated in. And finally, we will talk about what Dr. Whiteley would like to see from the city and the GRCA going forward, and the pressures from the Government of Ontario on both local governments and conservation authorities to be more accommodating to development. So I caught up with Dr. Hugh Whiteley late last week via Zoom. 
Okay. Uh, Dr. Hugh Whiteley, thank you so much for joining me again. Let me just quickly, I guess as quickly as we can, there, there is a long history of a long history of the, the park. Um, but for people who may not be aware, because it closed in 2005. So, I mean, th literally thousands of people have moved into Guelph since it closed. Um, what was the Courtright Waterfowl Park? Like, could you like paint a picture for us about, you know, what, what that was. It was a waterfowl research center that had developed from the interests of a Guelph uh, businessman who had a property up in Eden Mills originally, where he encouraged uh, various forms of wildlife preservation. And he found that the property on the Aramosa River wasn't well suited to any extensive waterfowl uh, breeding. Mm. And so he looked for another location and found one at the downstream end of Hanlon's Creek and uh, developed quite an extensive interaction between international programs in the United States in particular, all of which were devoted to uh, raising uh, waterfowl from eggs mm. and then, uh, encouraging the survival of the migratory waterfowl uh, flocks that were central to the ecology of this part of North, North America. Mm -hmm. And... and Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. And when he died, uh, the Ontario Waterfowl Research Foundation took over the operation of the property that he had assembled and expanded it quite significantly. And it uh, continued under that uh, ownership until 1975 when the Ontario Waterfowl Research Foundation found itself in financial difficulty and uh, then offered the property to the city and the GRCA with the hope they would purchase it and somehow manage to find a way that the waterfowl research activities could continue. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the 70s, right? Yep. And so just for my own sort of, I, I guess for the, the edification of all of us, though, um, there was uh, some sort of conservatorship, like there was like a board that like managed the property from that point on? Um, well, at the time that the um, Ontario Waterfowl Research Foundation uh, realized it couldn't continue, um, there had been a lot of planning going on in the about five years prior to that. The real uh, significant way to think about the history is not of the Courtright Waterfowl Park. It's mm. of the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area. Mm -hmm. Because uh, in 1965, the city annexed land from push lynch for an expanding urban uh, enterprise that was underway. Uh, 
and at the time of that annexation realized that the waterfowl park was part of the land to be annexed mm -hmm. and uh, in sort of generalizing from that the city staff in particular recognized that the city was annexing most of the Hanlon Creek watershed. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone or some group came to the realization that there might be a possibility of uh, developing a unique conservation area that would uh, include all of the significant land around the creek from its headwaters to its exit into the Speed River. Mm -hmm. And so in 1966 uh, or uh, 1967, probably, the first stage of the development of that idea, the city asked the GRCA to form a watershed plan for mm -hmm. Hanlon's Creek. Mm -hmm. And uh, the person who authored that, a contract environmental engineer, uh, proposed that a 850-acre uh, long, thin uh, conservation area be created along the length of the creek. And in particular, emphasized that the hand, that the Cordwright Waterfowl Park at its exit needed to be the major uh, sort of core property of that. Right. And there and was so, always. Oh, I keep cutting you uh, off, and I apologize. But I, that's all right. <laughs> I, I also want to get at this idea because you know, again, everything I know about this is sort of read from histories and articles and things. There was also a fr a real friction though because there was this intention of having sort of like this environmental part of, of the area that we're, we're, we're preserving the environment. We're preserving, you know, grounds for, you know, birds to, to spawn spawns, not the right word, but <laughs> you know, um, we're, we're preserving this area for the environment, but there was also a, a sort of in conflict because people were on the property and visiting the property and using it as, as, as humans do. So that, there was a bit of friction there too, right? No, I I don't know where you got that impression. Oh, I got it from Cameron Shelley article on it. Okay. Um, the Cordright Waterfall Park had made it a point of being open to the public mm -hmm. and uh, developed picnic areas and walking trails that weren't related to the waterfall part mm. uh, to encourage public uh, visits and interest in wildlife preservation. Mm. Uh, however, I should have pointed out that that initial report of 1968 on the watershed plan recognized that the future for uh, sort of scientific waterfowl uh, propagation wasn't uh, particularly suited to the Hanlon Creek site, for one mm, thing, okay. and was beginning to lose public interest. 
Okay. Um, and so right from the beginning in that initial report, the recommendation was that the Courtright Waterfall Park, as part of the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area, should change its focus over time to being a much more general wildlife refuge. Mm-hmm. A lot like what has eventually been developed at the rare research uh, conservation land trust right in the cambridge area right and this was around the time uh i believe uh mayor jerry the late great mayor norm jerry uh presided over this the introduction of this sort of observation tower which you know presumably was meant to sort of help that pivot to kind of a more scientific pursuit yeah the activity of the mayor uh was very obvious at the time that the uh, Ontario Waterfowl Research Foundation uh, announced the end of its operations. Mm-hmm. Because the city, led by Mayor Jerry, immediately uh, contacted the GRCA and said, we have to form a committee to look at the future for the Courtright Waterfowl Park. Mm-hmm. And based on that letter from Norm <laughs> Jerry, the GRCA formed a Courtright Committee. Mm-hmm. And within three months, the GRCA board had recommended that the GRCA look at the acquisition of the Courtright Waterfowl Park as part of the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area. I should have pointed out that the formalities of forming the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area had been uh, made in 1970. Right. It was, again, an initiative from the city of Guelph. Mm -hmm. The city uh, noted that the province had fairly recently at that time announced a general policy of supporting the purchase of valley lands mainly to take them out of flood risk aspect. And so the city proposed to the GRCA that (laughs) noting this provincial interest in sharing the cost, that the city and the GRCA get together with something called the Guelph Valley Lands Project. Mm-hmm. and had already started purchasing land, including uh, buying land from the Hanlon Estate right next to the Cordride Waterfall Park. Okay. That, that took place in 1971. Mm-hmm. So they were already actively buying land, <laughs> and it was no surprise when the city said to the GRCA, the Cordride Waterfall Park's up, for sale. We've got to <laughs> see that it gets bought. Right. This is, I mean, and this has nothing to do with you and 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 the way you're telling the story, but a lot of this is pretty confusing, right? There's, you know, the Waterfowl Park, there's the conservation area, there's the Hanlon, various parcels of Hanlon property. Um, that seems like sort of a, maybe an angle to this as we're, you know, we're trying to wrap our heads around 
you know, the future of this area that, you know, there's all these different parcels, all these different names, this vast, incredible history. Yeah. It would be a lot more straightforward if the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area Master Plan, which was developed in 1978, had been directly implemented. Mm -hmm. Why there's such a degree of confusion currently is that uh, the city and the... uh, the money available for provincial support for forming conservation areas was funneled through conservation authorities. Mm-hmm. So the Highland Creek Conservation Area was regarded by the GRCA as a city project. Mm-hmm. But in terms of applying for provincial money, it was the GRCA that applied. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a letter from the GRCA to the Ministry of Natural Resources in 1986, which points out that the city that the city still regarded this as a first priority project. And why wasn't the province uh, going to finalize the application to get provincial money for it? Right. And I haven't got the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but the For, practic- 40 years later there's still no the, answer <laughs> well the practicality is that the province never did approve provincial money for the implementation mm-hmm. they had been supplying money for the land purchases as they were made right but they didn't uh, agree that the master plan should be implemented and the okay. city gradually gave up on it. Right. And the GRCA had never had it as their motivation. They were quite willing to act for the city as helpers. Mm-hmm. But when the city gave up on it, the GRCA just forgot about it. So who owns the land? The GRCA. The GRCA outright owns the land. Yeah. yeah. Um, bought with provincial funds. Yep. But sort of left to the direction of the city of Guelph in terms of what to do with it. Yeah. The master plan was going to be implemented jointly by the city and the GRCA. I guess what I'm getting at is this is a. I tr- should point out that well, the Cordray Waterfall Park and the Hanlon property next to it are owned by the GRCA. Okay. But uh, elsewhere in the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area, project area, the city and the GRCA have about equal amounts of land owned. Yeah, just like, it was parcel by parcel. Sometimes the GRCA right. bought it, sometimes the city bought it. I guess what I'm just what I'm getting at is jurisdictionally, this is a nightmare. This like we're talking about decades of paperwork that have to be unraveled here. No, uh, the land ownership is quite clear. It's clear, but in terms of like direction, in terms of like who's leading the direction about what happens on the site. No, that's quite clear also. Okay. It's, the, <laughs> it's the city, and okay. the city hasn't done anything about it. Okay, well, okay, uh, fair They've enough. Given up. <laughs> They've the given up. The city has okay. given up its master plan. Okay. Never formally. 
just neglected it. Maybe it's just a nightmare for me. Um, <laughs> how does how does Doctor Whiteley become a character in this story? Uh, mostly at the end, uh, because while uh, the process of developing the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area was underway. There was quite a bit of engagement uh, through the university who did an ecological study of the watershed. Mm. A colleague of mine, Professor Chisholm, was very active in providing hydrologic and engineering input to the study reports that the university did. I was doing a PhD thesis study of Blue Springs Creek. Mm. And so while I knew about the various stages of developing plans for the Hanlon Creek, I wasn't personally involved because of my interest in Blue Springs Creek. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until uh, the Niska Road Bridge EA started up that I really got uh engaged in finding out what had been planned for the area mm -hmm. that's sort of the I, I guess the beginning of sort of the modern story because if i remember correctly um there was a lot of concern about having the two-lane bridge and yeah. what that would mean for sort of opening up development opportunities around that area yeah. right and um that's a very sad story in terms of good uh, exercise in planning mm. because the Cartwright Hills uh, area plan clearly identified the uh, Cartwright Waterfall Park area as the central uh, core of the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area and called for Niska Road to be closed at Pioneer Trail, mm -hmm. and uh, the section of Niska down to the river uh, would be the entrance road to the main headquarters of the Hanlon Creek Conservation Area. Right. And so the city's decision not to follow its subdivision plan for that was, I think, uh, a serious blow right to to maybe rise to the city's defense for a minute i hate myself for saying that but you know the, we're talking about plans that are like sort of decades apart and i appreciate where you're coming from it's like we have a plan let's follow it but you know we're, it, it does really seem like one of the barriers um to like taking action in this situation is that we're talking about a history that um you know, may not necessarily be easily accessible online, let's say that there, there's a, a, an education gap between where the, the, the intentions for the site were going and sort of where our politicians are now in terms of their own knowledge of the area. Yeah. It's not that the bridge decision ended the Hanlon Creek conservation right. area. It just would have been better. It would have been better. Yeah. And I think eventually... This is a, a very long time prediction, but eventually the Niska Road bridge was going to be closed. 
Mm. It doesn't make sense in terms of what the future transportation needs are. Right. The stretch of river is a remarkable preserved uh, remnant of the original natural river river valley. And it's going to be increasingly important to have access to places like that as the city matures further. So someday it's going to be part of a Hanlon Creek Conservation Area. Right. And, it, it, you know, I remember that debate pretty pretty clearly. The, the decision was sort of largely made on the basis of like present traffic demands and, you know, who kind of knows what those traffic demands are going to be in a world where, you know, maybe there's fewer cars on the road, more, hopefully more transit access and things like that. Yeah. But that's, that's for the far future and the immediate (laughs) future, the uh, general concept of having a watershed length conservation area is a very good idea. Mm. And the city should resume its interest in that and say, all right, we're going to do it as uh, modified by necessary any necessary changes. But to just say it's not our project anymore is a very serious uh, gap in pub- public policymaking. I should note that it, it does seem like all of this is sort of being handled at the GRC level right now. Yep. yep. So, in, you know, ideally, how would you like to see the city of Guelph sort of be involved in this right now? The first stage is the city should acknowledge that the Cartwright Waterfall Park was purchased because the city appealed to have it purchased. Hmm. And the city put in the bulk of the local money. Right. And so there we have a piece of property that the city said is needed for the benefit of its citizens. And we'll put money into buying it. And now has said, oh, it's GRCA property, nothing to do with us. Right. So the first step is to reverse that lack of recognition that it's a city project with city money in it. Hmm. Worth noting, just on the record, there are three city councilors on the GRCA board, so it's not like it's it's without city of Guelph oversight. Oh, there's guess, two of two of them. Isn't is there is there two, not three? Yeah. Ken and Christine. Yep. Is Rodrigo maybe Rodrigo is a past member? All right. Yes, I'll, correct. I'll I'll take I I will yield to your expertise. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, to to look at sort of what's on the table now, um, and and correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. You were concerned about development um, on what they're calling um, agricultural land B, that yeah. that particular that specific site because the, yeah. the area has been split up between four sectors, and you were concerned about the B sector, yeah. which is currently, I think, it's being leased as farmland. Yeah. Okay. And I believe what the city has planned on its official plan, it's speaking of nightmares, try to find the official plan map on the city's website. Um, what what the city has marked off right now in the official plan is that 
that parcel is for medium density or it's zoned for medium density. Yeah, for low-rise apartments, yeah. Right. Um, is that still a sore spot for you? That that's that farmland could end up being like another subdivision or something? Well, what is a sore spot for me is that <laughs> you have a land use... Uh, land management plan underway mm -hmm. or a property that has a master plan for it. Right. The Hand Creek Conservation Area Master Plan specifically has a section about the Cordwright Waterfowl Park. And that section specifically mentions the agricultural land that's part of the Waterfowl Park. Okay. And points out that if you're going to have a multi- a species wildlife reserve right that agricultural land has uh, important <laughs> contributions to make right. to biodiversity right and it's, so it's the, a bit harder to have sort of like a wildlife area right next to like a, a, a you know a four story apartment building yep yep and none of that is mentioned in the land use plan that's currently being offered Right. No history at all of what the land was purchased for and what the plans were for the land that was purchased. Mm hmm. So your concern is we're following one plan, which completely disregards the other plan. Yes. Yeah. So which, uh, well, it treats it as if it didn't exist. It didn't exist. But I mean, this is kind of one of those maybe technocratic things that it, it never went into effect. So people are choosing to treat it as something that doesn't exist no it's more deliberate than that okay the GICA is arguing that they didn't buy the land to form part of the hanlon creek conservation area they say they bought the land to facilitate the hespler reservoir right okay and that's not the reason they bought it and it's certainly not the reason the city of guelph put money into it mm-hmm the city of Guelph has no interest in a Hespeler Reservoir flood control project. Mm -hmm. um, maybe this is outside your brief, but, you know, is, I mean, flooding, granted climate change is becoming more of a thing, but flooding hasn't been a big issue in Guelph for a number of decades. I, I don't know if that's connected to sort of Guelph Lake and, you know, creating that facility. But, you know, it is there even a need for a reservoir in your understanding? No. And the idea of reservoirs has been completely given up, not just by the GRCA, but more widely across North America. Mm. Uh, and no one is arguing that there's any point in discussing the Hanlon Creek uh, reservoir area. Mm. You're quite right, though, that Guelph has had a remarkably low incidence of high water levels mm. for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. that from a little project I did a couple of years ago about yeah. sort of flooding. And the flood, in contrast to the general pattern of effects of climate change this particular area for the period of record which starts in the 1960s mm. has seen a reduction 
in frequency of high flow events. Mm-hmm. So we're, 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 we don't we're, want to to build on that basis <laughs> sense that oh floods are nothing to do with us. Right, we're going to have a big flood. The right. only question is when. Sure. Yeah. I mean, floods will happen eventually, and as we're sort of seeing more and more, yeah. once once in a century, floods are happening every ten years now. Um, the process that the GRCA is kind of going through right now is largely thanks to you and and you, the appeal you brought to the the land tribunal. Yeah. Looking at, I guess, looking at it from this end now. Um, do you consider them being true to the spirit in which that accord was reached? No, uh, because as I point out, to argue that it was purchased for the purpose of developing the Hespler Reservoir, period, no consideration for the real reasons it was bought or the city's role in promoting the purchase mm-hmm. and the development isn't uh, a proper approach and some time in the near future I think the GRCA is going to recognize that so you're are, you're making the argument that sort of the process is sort of fruit from the poisonous tree they're not recognizing sort of some some of those key points yeah. about the intention of the reservoir so even if they're following the process to the letter in terms of whatever outreach they're doing and whatever oversight they're doing it's still a flawed process yeah okay fair enough um i guess you know we're kind of from what i gathered from from the last grca meeting november is kind of like when we're going to be getting a final decision about what the plan for the area is going to be um what are your expectations and and i guess maybe what are your concerns as well stemming from those expectations well, I think it's discrediting for the GRCA not to be frank and transparent about the facts of the situation. And to not acknowledge anywhere that the city was the driving uh, reason and the main cash supplier for the purchase. Uh, it doesn't bode well for other (laughs) decisions by the GRCA if they don't acknowledge uh, a completely transparent and honest uh, history for the project that they undertake. Mm -hmm. Do you have any particular concerns then about like, you know, five years what does this site look like you know is is, you know what what are you worried about i guess i'm mostly worried that the city doesn't acknowledge what its past plans are Mm. and um with no justification at all has eliminated city interest in the development of one of its prime conservation areas mm-hmm. and anyone who's been down there and granted it, i mean it, it's it's a bit of a jaunt it's it's literally at the edge of town um 
but it, it is a, a beautiful property. One of the things that, you know, I kind of get stuck on and maybe you can talk a bit about this as, as we're wrapping up, but, you know, I think the city and a lot of, whether it's staff or counselors are kind of feeling a bit like a leaf on the wind right now. There's, you know, edicts coming down from the province and indeed, you know, the conservation authority has been forced to, you know, it, it go through a number of mandatory changes to how they do business. Um, the city's under enormous pressure to sort of focus almost exclusively on housing and, and getting more housing built. Uh, I, I guess the, the, the question is, are, are you worried that there is, I guess, a, a room to accommodate concerns about things that were promised, you know, granted they were decades ago, but I mean, promises were made and it just seems like, um, our institutions don't have that long-term memory because they're trying to answer one of uh, numerous crises that are in front of them at the moment. Yeah. It's certainly worrisome that uh, the intensity of interest in the short term is pretty well completely uh, emptying out the ability to work towards a longer-term benefit. Mm. One of the most remarkable bits of writing that uh, I've read is a report by Fred Woods, the city administrator to city council in uh, January of 1970. Mm -hmm. And in a couple of lines, Fred <laughs> says that uh, as the city expands beyond its current boundaries and uh, becomes more dense, there is a growing need for ability to make frequent visits to natural areas to restore contact, mm -hmm. particularly for young people and for the elderly. And so every property that we protect now and preserve for that will be valued extremely highly in the future. He was a real prophet and he was a real prophet in that moment because that's yeah. what we hear um everybody right. say coming out of the pandemic is that yeah. we need to value the natural spaces. Yeah. And what came out of that was the Hanlon Creek conservationary idea. Uh-huh. 1970. So 50 years later, where hmm. is that degree of long-term benefit? Yeah. Decision making. It's interesting. And and like I said, like you know, we were talking before we started recording, like a lot of this history is 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 difficult to access because it happened before the internet and it happened before a great many of us moved to town. Yeah. <laughs> um Dr. Whiteley, this was fascinating and as as always, and I appreciate your your expertise and your uh your longevity um in, in sort of uh taking part in these things. And uh I'm glad you were able to share this history with us. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be given the opportunity. Thank you for your writings, Adam. Oh, thank you. And once again, that was Dr. Hugh Whiteley. You can see the background and information about the Niska Land holdings on the Grand River Conservation Authority website at grandriver.ca. 
You can also see the GRCA's future plans for the site and some of the notes provided by the members at their last meeting in the latest Guelph Politico coverage of the GRCA membership meetings. And you can also find those direct links in the show notes for this episode. A final decision about the Niskalands is likely to come before the GRCA membership at their November 24th meeting. So stand by for that. And hopefully on an upcoming edition of the podcast, we will have some staff members from the GRCA to talk about what those future plans will look like and also to respond to some of Dr. Whiteley's concerns expressed in this episode. And speaking of this episode, well, that's the end of this episode. We hope you liked it. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Source's Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then... See you next time.